Welcome to Security Over Coffee, presented by Cardano Over Coffee and Epoch Set. Friday, Lido. And you know what Fridays bring, right? So I think we can get this little five-minute segment out before we bring up our, our next guest. It's Friday now. It's so Friday we, have, we have Batman, a.k.a. Batman. Kyle, a.k.a. Epoch Sec, a.k.a. the only security person you'll ever need in your whole entire life. <laughs> Holy macaroni. With security over coffee section of the show. Stay tuned because you're going to learn something. I guarantee it. Okay, I'll start off. I appreciate it. I know you guys got a lot going on and you got a third guest, so I'm just going to try to keep this short. So full disclaimer, I'm going to kind of thin out the information here. And after the third guest, if you want to talk about it more than you can, I'm going to post a video later on today. You're welcome to watch that for more detail, but I'll, I'll just kind of give you an overview today of hashing. So without further ado, welcome to secu- your security over coffee segment today with myself, Kyle, or Holy Macaroni, or Epoch Sec, or as Hero would call me, Batman. Um so what is hashing? Hashing at the root of I've talked a lot about encryption and don't mix those two things up. They are completely different, but they're also used together very frequently in blockchain and many other aspects in life. However, hashing at the root of it is basically taking any kind of set of data and converting it into a fixed length string, right? So you could have a file with password one, two, three in it, and it'll have a then you can hash it and then you get a, a fixed length. A set of characters. You, if you take password one two three and just add a number four onto it, um, don't think that that hash value is just going to change by one character. You literally get a completely different random hash value out of that. So that's you know a, a purpose of hashing to explain what hashing is. It's it's to verify the integrity of something. You can use it for verifying files, storing passwords, digital signatures. It has a few different commonly used functions. One is MD5. It's not recommended anymore, though. It used to be used all the time, but it has faced what is called collision attacks. So basically two different sets of data having the same hashing hash digest or hash value. Another one is SHA-1. That one is a little bit better, but also collision attacks, right? So it's always recommended to use the SHA-2 or the SHA-3 family. SHA-3 is a little new, made in 2015. So SHA-2 is the most commonly used one right now. And the most commonly ex- common example out of that is SHA-256. So if you see SHA-256, you can trust that knowing it's secure and safe and all that good stuff. But SHA-2 includes 224, 256, 384, 512. Those, that's the length, the amount of bits, the length of that fixed length string that you are getting for that set of data. Um, and back to SHA-3, SHA-3 is very similar to SHA-2, except it uses something called XOF, Extendable Output Hash Functions. Basically, instead of having just those four sets of links, it can be any length up to six, 1,600 bits using something called Shake-128 or Shake-256. All right, moving on. So, so again, some real world examples. Password storage. Taking your so I'm going to walk through a scenario to cut a lot of these slides out. So imagine Bob Bob or Alice creates a password on some application. That password is hashed and then stored on the server side or the database side, right? What happens then though, um so that helps with Bad actors gaining that repository, that database, the passwords aren't in plain text so they can't just get them because a a a function is not easily 
reverse reverse engineered, right? It's a one-way function. It's a lot different than encryption keys. So you get that fixed length random string, usually using mathematical equations such as prime numbers, right? So anyway, that hash value is sitting on that side. So it's not, they can't just read the plain text. That's why it's also important to use very secure, long, complicated passwords, right? So they can't get that password on the server side. It's using, ha it's, a, it's a hash value. Um, but also complicated passwords, so they can't brute force it or rainbow attack it or dictionary attack it, right? But anyway, the way this works is you create a password. It's it's then salted, right? Salting is basically adding 128 bits onto the end of your password 123, okay? So you have password 123 and 128 bits added onto the end. That's salting. Then you could take that even a step further. Salting is extremely common, but you also have peppering, less common, but very effective and is being used a lot more nowadays. So what happens is you got that salted password now. Now you pepper it. Now it, peppering is different than salting. It has a lot of similarities, but one big difference is that it's basically a secret value um, that is added on the server end. It's not attached to the front facing side, if you will, for a lack of a better way of putting it. But basically what will happen once you do that is then you you go back and put in your password, right? Um, the salt the salt and the pepper are retrieved. It's combined with that password one, two, three, and then that is hashed. So what will happen is it'll go back and say, okay, the hash that I have in the database with the salt and pepper and all of that stuff, now I'm gonna compare it to the hash of the password that person just put in. If that matches up, then they can authenticate and log in, right? Um, now, that is a very brief explanation of hashing, peppering, and salting for hashing functions. I just want to get across the idea of how that works so that when you put create a password or you create a file. Now, another common use case is when you send, Bob creates a file, and he sends it to Alice. He can also include the SHA-256 hash value or hash digest, right? Then Alice can say, oh, let me hash it now using SHA-256 and get the hash value of the file Bob just sent me. And she can compare that to the hash value that Bob included with that file to say, hey, that matches up, or maybe it doesn't match up. So maybe Bob sent the wrong file, or maybe Bob was compromised or a bad actor compromised that file and interjected a malicious file, right? So it's going to have a different hash value, right? So that's two examples of using hashing. Now there's another thing to take this even a step further called PBKDF, password-based key derivation function. This is a little different in that, and, and I'll just use my slide right here to articulate it. It's pretty much all of what I said about creating a password, salting and peppering and all of that. But peppering is not the default here, but it can be used, right? Um, but basically what happens instead of that hash value, what it's doing is it's deriving a key out of that, right? And that key is then stored on the server side, okay? Um, the key is derived using hashing functions though. So PBKDF itself is not a hashing function, but it uses hashing functions along with, so it'll, it hashes the password it, or it salts it, hashes it, salts it, hashes it. So what PBKDF is doing is iterating it. So such as o OWASP recommends doing this 10,000 times or NIST recommends doing it 100,000 times. So again, just to recap PBKDF is driving a key and is doing this by salting the password, then hashing it, then salting and hashing it, then taking that hash again and salting and hashing it, taking that new hash, salting and hashing it, just doing it thousands and thousands of times, right? 
Um, now, another thing I'm not even going to get into right now, I will just put this concept out there so that you can look into it, something called PGP. Now, this is not a hashing function or anything. It's just a topic that I thought of when I was coming up with the the content for the hashing function uh, theme this week, where PGP is something called, it's pr pretty good privacy. That's what it spells out to be. It's not a hashing function itself. It is a cryptographic software package, but it does use hashing functions and encryption algorithms to do things such as signing documents, encrypting, decrypting messages. Email is the most common example. If you see PGP, then you're probably looking at email. It's like the most common use case for it out there. But it can also be used for file integrity as well, right? So some tools, if you're interested in looking this up, something called Mailvelope. Instead of envelope, take off the EN and just put mail on there, mailvelope. You can also use PGP desktop or GNU PGP. Charles Hoskinson actually did a great video on this like nine years ago, and I found two other videos as well. They're very old, but there's a lot of good information in there if you want to get your feet wet with PGP. Uh, when I post this on my uh, Twitter account later on today, I'll include those links so you guys can check that out if you want. That is your bowl of Mac, and thank you for letting me uh, take up the few minutes just now. Thanks, Batman.